All right. All right. If you have your Bibles with you, if you could turn to Joel chapter 2. My name is uh, Pastor Christian. My name is just Christian, not Pastor Christian, but I'm a pastor. And uh, I'm one of the pastors at New Philadelphia Church. And uh, I will be uh, delivering the Word of God here tonight. Just bless you guys uh, with a message from the Word of God. So if y'all ready to hear the Word of God, I'm here to say, yeah. yeah. Joel chapter 2. Let's look at verse 28 and 29. Why don't you take a moment, just turn to your neighbor and tell him, you're going to be blessed tonight. You're going to be blessed tonight. So glad you're here. You got something on your face. All right, I'm going to be reading from the NIV version of the Bible. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 through 29. Once again, everyone, welcome to the Niagara Praise Rally. Well, we're... we're uh, having this praise rally in anticipation of the Niagara Conference. And uh, we believe that God's just going to show up in a mighty way at the conference. He's going to pour out His Spirit, teachings, preaching, ministry. It's going to be unleashed at the conference. But how many of y'all know that that outpouring is going to begin tonight right here? I don't know about you, but we don't have to wait till July 21st. So we got July 9th. We is right here, here tonight. And that's what we're pressing in for. Hallelujah. So read with me. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 to 29. NIV, it reads. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women... I will pour out my spirit in those days. Amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. You know, the Bible has a lot of promises. But one of the greatest promises contained in the word of God is that the spirit of God will be poured out on all people. This is an amazing thing. You know, the primary image associated with the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is water. We find this metaphor in Psalm 72, 6. He will be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. Or in Hosea 6, 3. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. Water. And if the association wasn't explicitly clear, Isaiah 44, 3 makes it clear. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. The water is a powerful symbol and metaphor God uses throughout the Old Testament. And in the prophetic books, whenever the people of God, they're dealing with a problem. It's interesting that the one answer God provides every time is water. Turn turn to your neighbor. Tell them water is the answer. 
whether the people of God had a military confrontation, a natural drought, or a problem with immorality or idolatry, the answer was always the same. Water. They needed the Holy Spirit. See, the outpouring of the Spirit is the Bible's cure-all. It is the one answer to everything, any issue, any problem that you have. You see, it's not that other things aren't important. Like Bible study and preaching and teaching. It's not that all these things aren't important. It's just that in the end, we need more of the Lord than anything else. See, when you get the Holy Spirit, you get more of Him. And when the Lord comes, He comes like the rain. Out of heaven and onto earth. Like an outpouring. Like a, a outpouring. Hallelujah. <laughs> Brothers, we're here tonight because we believe that God will rain down His Spirit at the Niagara Conference. But not only on July 21st. But we believe that God will rain down His Spirit on this place tonight. And actually, when it rains, you know, depending on how skinny you are, you got to run around to get wet. Well, in this respect, in this respect, we ain't just praying for rain. We is praying for an outpouring. That's why the theme of the Niagara Conference is outpouring. And that's why we call the conference Niagara. We don't want just a little drizzle. We're pressing in for an outpouring like the Niagara Falls. Amen? Where everything we are is drenched with the spirit of the living God. Joel chapter 2 verse 28 says, God will pour out his spirit on all peoples. And you know, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, Peter declared that the promise in Joel chapter 2 was fulfilled. But you see, one thing that you got to understand about the prophecies of God are certain prophecies get fulfilled and then those same prophecies get more fulfilled. Can somebody say amen? You see, Pentecost was only the initial fulfillment of Joel chapter 2. But how many of y'all in here knows that God has been continuing to pour throughout the ages? He's been pouring and pouring and pouring. And he's getting ready to pour out his spirit today on the church like the church has never seen before. An unprecedented move of God. You know why? Because Jesus, he saves the best wine for last. See, our God is a God who saves the best for last. So God God, God gave you Acts chapter 2 at, at Pentecost. He's like, this is good. Here, take this. Well, you see, God has in mind, wait till you get to the last days. Afterward, let's get to the last days. I'm going to show you what's really good. The Bible says the latter, the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. See, God loves to outdo himself on the earth. And with every new generation, God is setting us up for greater revelations of his glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know what? Check this out. When God pours out his spirit in these last days, he will take into account that the population of the earth has increased exponentially from 2,000 years ago. 
you know, missions agencies. For them, the more people get born, the more frustrated they get. Because evangelizing all those people, it, it just seems like an impossible burden. Well, you see, for God, it is his delight. Amen. He doesn't get worried that there's too many babies getting born. One child policy. God don't have the one child policy. Hallelujah. And when he pours out his spirit on all flesh and people prophesy and people dream dreams and people see visions and they see wonders in the heavens and on the earth. The last verse of Joel chapter 2, if you look there, it says that it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. There will be massive scale salvations as a direct result of the outpouring of God's spirit. Just the two, they're connected. You know, we've been seeing this already on the earth. In 1974, I used, I used to serve on Campus Crusade staff for the last seven years. In 1974, we know that in Korea, in one week, they saw 330,000 people come to Christ right here in the city of Seoul. It's called Explo 74, for those who know their Campus Crusade history. But that was 74, but lately in the last 10 years, there's another guy named Ron Hart Bonnke. Okay, This guy, he has this book called Faith. And in this book, he has pictures and he has all these recorded ministry numbers. And he claims that over a week of crusades, he has seen over a million people indicating decisions for Christ in African nations like Nigeria and Kenya. Millions of people. You know, actually, there's a funny story with that. Uh, one of uh, we, we had an evangelist here in, in the Korea last year. We invited his name was Andres Bisoni. And uh, one time I was just having lunch with him. And he was like telling me a story. He was like, if God came to you, Christian, and said, I'll give you a million dollars, what would you say? I said, I receive it, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That's what I would say. Andres Bisoni was like, well, God came to Andre, uh, Reinhard Bonnke and asked him the same thing. You know what he said? I said, what? He said, no, Lord. If you're going to give me a million dollars, I'd rather have a million souls. Okay. I felt pretty selfish after that. But, um, and that's exactly what this guy is experiencing all over Africa. And some men and women of God have been saying that we are living in a day when we see salvations coming in by the billions. Let's boggle your mind a little bit. Salvations coming in. I mean, this guy's experiencing it in the millions. Imagine the billions. That's three more zeros. Now, how is God going to accomplish this? And it's real simple. The outpouring. It's the answer. It's the outpouring. The outpouring is like Allen Iverson in his prime day. The outpouring is the answer. It is the answer to everything that's going on in the earth that's a wreck. It's the outpouring. And I was doing the math. And on the day of Pentecost, there was 128 disciples. They received the outpouring. They came out of the room, preached a message. 
And as the Bible says, 3,000 people got saved. Now, I don't know if you ever thought about this way, but let's consider that mathematically. Stay with me here. Back in 2001, some sources said that there were 2.1 billion Christians in the world. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot out of you know population of 6.4, whatever it was back then. 2.1 billion Christians. But I, I looked at the numbers and they had Mormons in there, Jehovah Witnesses in there. So let's, let's, let's remove the Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses and other cult groups from that number. All right. So let's say that brings us down to about half. Let's say there's about a billion people back in 2001 that were Christians. Well, you know what? Let's go further. Let's just be real conservative and say that only 10% of that 1 billion are actually followers of Christ. Because, you know, there's a lot of false converts in the church and things like that. A lot of people that just do church. That will bring us down to 100 million. In 2001, let's say there was 100 million true disciples of Christ on the earth. Now, let's say 10 years later, we're in 2010, 9, nine 10 years later. I'm certain that the number has grown. But let's just be conservative and say that the growth was only about 20%. So let's say today on the earth right now, there are 120 million Christians alive. Now, check this out. I did the math on this. If 120 disciples being baptized by the Spirit got 3,000 people saved in one day, 120 million Christians being baptized by the Spirit will result in 3 billion salvations if you did the same type of math. Brothers and sisters, we are living in a day where the glory of God, the knowledge of the glory of God is about to cover the earth. As the waters to see. There will be people coming to Christ by the billions. And the way God's going to do it. Is not through gimmicks. Man-made strategies. Church programs. He's going to do it through the outpouring of his spirit. Brothers and sisters. We've been commissioned to do what Jesus did. And to teach what Jesus taught. 2 Peter 1.4 tells us that we are to be partakers of the divine nature. You know, the outpouring of the Spirit comes to anoint the church with the same anointing that was on the Son of God. So that we can do the same things He did and to teach the same things He taught. And the only way we can successfully and effectively represent, represent and represent this divine nature... Is by the outpouring. The outpouring is the answer. Turn to your neighbor right now. Tell him the outpouring is the answer. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Outpouring is the answer. Somebody say, I need the outpouring. I want a fresh outpouring. Hallelujah. Now, before I go on, I want to distinguish between the outpouring of the Spirit and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Because although they both come from the Holy Spirit, they're distinct and not the same. Let's begin with the indwelling ministry of the Spirit. Scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, that when we believe the gospel and we receive Christ, God marks us with a seal, and that seal is the Holy Spirit. 
The way that God can tell between a true believer and a non-believer on the earth is he looks for his spirit. Because the Bible says that every true believer, you're given the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And now this deposit, this is called the indwelling ministry of the spirit. And we, we receive the indwelling automatically when we are converted to Christ. This ministry was prophesied about in Ezekiel 36, verse 27, when God said, I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. In other words, God's saying, I'm going to put my spirit in you so that you will obey my word and be careful to follow in my ways. See, that's what the indwelling ministry of the spirit does. This ministry, it functions to produce the fruit of the Spirit, which is the character of Christ. It matures us, the indwelling. It helps us to understand the Scriptures. And the indwelling, it manifests the heart of Jesus in the callings that we are given. The indwelling is a long-term work. It's a quiet work. And most evangelicals, they tend to focus on the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit. But let me change now. Let me talk about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You know, the outpouring is when the Spirit of God doesn't just go in you. He comes upon you with power. Hallelujah. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which is also called the empowering ministry of the Spirit. It was promised by Jesus. Acts chapter 1 verse 4. Jesus said on one occasion, while he was eating with them, Jesus gave him this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The words outpouring and baptism. These words give us a picture of water that is dramatic and violent even. This is because the outpouring of the Spirit is not quiet like the indwelling. See, the outpouring comes suddenly. If you read Acts chapter 2, it says that on the day of Pentecost, they were praying together. And suddenly, wind came and the fire came and people started to speak in tongues and manifest the power of God. The outpouring of the Spirit comes suddenly. Sometimes it's loud. And sometimes accompanied by supernatural manifestations like tongues, like prophecy, holy laughter, signs and wonders. Let me tell you something. On the day of Pentecost, the 120 disciples, they got the outpouring. And it looked so strange that the Bible records that people thought that they were drunk. People thought that they were drunk. Now, let me ask you all a question. How many of you in here, without fear of being judged... You have gotten drunk more than once in your lifetime. Raise your hand. Raise your right hand nice and high. You've gotten more drunk more than once in your lifetime. All right. Hallelujah. You guys have come to the right place. You will meet Jesus here tonight. No, um, for real though, um, the people that raise your hand, y'all know firsthand how wonderful it is to be drunk. Am I right? Because I, I, I haven't been drunk that many times in my life. But if you were to be real, being drunk is wonderful. If it wasn't wonderful, you wouldn't have done it again and again and again. 
When you're filled with alcohol, you experience freedom, joy, and love. You put your arm around everyone that's in the room. You, you feel like everyone could be your best friend. You do things that you normally wouldn't do. You say things you normally wouldn't say. Being drunk. It's wonderful. Well, let me tell you right now that debauchery, which is being drunk, is a counterfeit of something far more wonderful that God offers us. You see, if I can get someone who's a drunkard, someone who, who really is drunk and is alcoholic and stuck on alcohol, if I can get them filled, not with alcohol, if I can get them filled once with the Spirit of God, I'll tell you right now, they will never turn back to alcohol. Because you see, being filled with the Spirit, not alcohol, that's when you experience true freedom that's lasting. True joy. True love. That's when you also say things you normally wouldn't say. And you also do things you normally wouldn't do. And what I've noticed is that those who've gotten heavily involved with drinking and drugs, they tend to be more open to the outpouring of the Spirit than people who have lived goody, moral Christian lives. Just my observation. And I think it's because a lot of Christians, we can be so uptight that the manifestations that accompany the outpouring, they look so similar to drunkenness that we see it as suspect. And we begin to think that must be evil. That can't be from God. That's what I saw in the club. That's what I saw in the frat parties. That can't be God. And they start pushing the outpouring away. But I'm trying to tell you that what we got is not evil. It's the real thing. It's what Satan is trying to counterfeit every time he gets people to drink. Why does Satan try to get people drunk? Because he can get them hooked. But when you're drunk with alcohol, it just feels so good. Well, you see, it's a counterfeit. When you're drunk, when, when, you're, when you're filled with the Spirit of God, when you, some people call it being drunk with the Spirit. When you get filled with so much with the Spirit of God, okay, that's when you experience true freedom. Joy and love. That's the real thing. Satan always makes counterfeit things. He always makes the counterfeit of true moves of God in order to distract and plant seeds of distrust toward the authentic moves of God. You know, he, Satan hates prophecy. And some people in the Christian church, they believe that prophecy is not for today. They just think it's too dangerous. That's why we have Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons. Is because we've been open to prophecy. We, we can't have more Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses. Let's just, let's just, it's too dangerous. Let's put it away and just conclude that God doesn't speak like that anymore. No, you see, Satan knows that prophecy is still for today. He knows it's real. You know how Satan counterfeits it? With the spirit of divination. He uses psychics, mudangs, tarot card readers. You know, you, when was the last time you went over to a, a, a Pekajam or a CV, CGV movie theater here? All right, more and more, you're seeing these tarot card readers being set up right next to the movie theater. So you can get your little tarot card reading right before you go watch your movie. See, that's a counterfeit of prophecy, is divination. And Satan's always trying to distract us or to cause plant seeds of distrust towards the authentic moves of God. So... 
I don't know how many of y'all in, in here, you have seen what you would judge as an outpouring of the Spirit of God. And with that outpouring, you saw all kinds of strange signs and manifestations. If you've seen that, raise your hand for me. Okay, You have seen that in your lifetime. Whether it's on TV or whether you saw it in your church or at some retreat, that one retreat, that one, you know, that one retreat everybody talks about. <laughs> all right, put your hand down. So what's the point of all these signs and manifestations that accompany that point? Why can't God just pour out His Spirit, make us feel good, we keep it, we're dignified, and we leave, and we feel better, and we, and we are able to manifest the kingdom of God? Why these signs? Why all these weird manifestations? What's the point of all the tongues, the shaking, the falling, the drunkenness? What's the point of all this? Well, check this out. The empowering ministry of the Spirit... It comes upon us, resulting in manifestations, but it comes upon us to equip us with supernatural gifts so that we can serve the Lord with power. Because the Word of God says that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of power. In fact, when you experience the outpourings of God, it also increases our spiritual discernment. It it brings us into new levels of praise and worship. You know, the way you get to praise and worship God with more freedom and be undignified like King David, the way you praise God, you come to a place of praise like that, is not through just praising harder and trying more out of your flesh. It's through being filled with the Spirit of God. It's through experiencing the outpouring. But the thing is, is, see, the outpouring is different than the indwelling. The indwelling, you get it automatically the moment you receive Christ. The outpouring doesn't come automatically, although some people experience it that way. But most people, we experience an outpouring when we specifically seek it in prayer. You see, this is what the disciples did in the upper room. Jesus warned them not to, not to leave. So they waited and they sought the promise of the Spirit specifically. They weren't just having indefinite prayer meetings until the cow comes home. Until the cows come home, what is that? Uh, yeah, they weren't just having indefinite prayer meetings, okay? They were getting together specifically to pray for this outpouring, this promise of the Spirit that, that they heard Jesus talk about. So to summarize, the indwelling works to produce the character of Christ in us, and the empowering works to produce the ministry of Christ in us. And how many of you know that the ministry of Christ is supernatural? Supernatural. How many of y'all saw that, the, the TV show, Heroes? It's a good show. You should watch it. It's a little bloody. Got a lot of blood in there. For, for, for a TV show, I was surprised how much blood they put in there. Especially whenever Siler kills somebody. Siler just be making bloody mess everywhere. Anyway, in the TV show, man, these normal looking people, they have all these amazing powers. And then with these powers, they believe that there's a purpose for these powers. And they're trying to figure out their purpose. But you see, brothers and sisters... The Christians were a lot like the heroes in the show. We have access to supernatural power. You know what the cheerleader had? That's gifts of healing. You know what Salar had? You know, I see, I see some evangelists. Ronnie Howard Brown, he's got the same power. He'll be like 10 feet away. He'll just say fire and then boom, the person falls down. Just like Salar makes him fall. 
I mean, there's, there's real power in the body of Christ, but a lot of times we're missing out. Now, most Pentecostals and Charismatics, they focus on the empowering ministry of the Spirit, the outpouring. But having grown up Presbyterian, let me reason with my Presbyterian and Evangelical brothers and sisters in the room. What the Pentecostals have been jumping up and down about for the last hundred years, it's real. Yeah, maybe there's some abuses, but it ain't, it ain't all just the flesh. It ain't all just demons. It's the real thing. And what the charismatics have been teaching for the last few, year, few, few decades, what they've been experiencing, it's authentic. I mean, this is the real deal. So let's stop criticizing it and ridiculing it. And I think it's time that we embrace and hunger for the experiential and supernatural element of our Christian faith. Somewhere along the line, we got so westernized, we got so heady, we got so academic that we put away the experiential elements of our faith, the supernatural elements of our Christian heritage. Brothers and sisters, I don't care if you're Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Seventh-day Adventist, I don't don't care what you are, we need to get in with what God's doing on the earth because he is pouring out a spirit all over. And when the outpouring comes, we get drenched in the power and in the nature of God. Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then the apostle Paul taught, Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In other words, the kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. So when he gets poured out onto us, the kingdom, the king's domain, it starts to manifest all around us. It's the effect of the outpouring. And you know, the experience of the outpouring of the spirit is so important. Jesus saw it as so essential. He warned his disciples not to leave Jerusalem until they had received it. Pretty much told them, don't do any more ministry. I know you have some ministry experience under your belt. I know you've seen some um, good things, some good fruit, some good signs and wonders. But check this out. I don't want you to do anything further until you have received the baptism, the outpouring of the Spirit. And there's been a lot of debate in the church over this term, baptism of the Spirit. And if you're you're in a seminary, if some of you are torch people in here, y'all might be aware of the controversy with this term, baptism of the Spirit. Some people write blogs, books to debate the use of the term. And to dismantle it as an experience that is not valid for today. And a lot of this confusion, I believe, is birthed from people who engage this discussion on the basis of their experience or their lack of experience. Rather than seeking the Lord to bring their level of experience up to the promises of God. And there's all this confusion about the term, baptism of the Spirit. And I just want to honor and respect your pastors. If you're lead pastors, they have a certain view of it, then, you know, please honor them. Don't be like, hey, I heard a guest speaker at Niagara Praise Rally say this, and I think you're wrong. Don't do that, please. Don't do that. I have a lot of I have relationships and friendships with a lot of the lead pastors that are in the city. But this is just my personal take on that controversy. 
of the baptism of the Spirit. Here's, here's, here's the way I see it. John the Baptist used it. Jesus used it. And then the Apostle Peter and the Apostles, they used it. So if it's good enough for them, it's okay with them, then it's okay with me. I don't know. I, I don't like to keep things. I try to keep things real simple. That term baptism of the Spirit, Peter referred to the experience of the baptism of the Spirit in Acts 2.39. When he said, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. In other words, everyone who are called, who is called to salvation, Peter is saying they are also given the promise of the baptism of the Spirit. This isn't just for Pentecostals. This isn't just for charismatics. This is for every true born-again believer of Christ. And by the outpouring of the Spirit, God wants to fill you with the fullness of God. He wants to fill you with so much of Him that you overflow and you are able to transform the world around you. So you can't just transform the world around you with a lot of effort and a lot of energy. What we need is the very Spirit of God. Brothers and sisters, we got to resist reducing the kingdom of God to a bunch of doctrines and teachings and ideas and principles. You know, the kingdom of God is not just the set of religious beliefs. The Bible says the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. So if you really want to advance the kingdom of God, you are really praying, God, let your kingdom come. What you're really asking for is power. And through the outpouring, God grants us access to more and more of his unlimited power. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us. Notice that it says, what goes on around us is according to the power that is at work within us. You see, if you don't got no power working within you, you probably don't have much going around you. Brothers and sisters, we need the outpouring. We need more of the outpouring. If we got the outpouring, we need more. And, and when we're filled, you see, when we're filled, the more we allow God to fill us with the Spirit of God, the more the Spirit of God shapes us and changes us to the image of Christ. And the more we're filled with the Spirit, the more profound the manifestation, the more powerful the manifestation of the kingdom of God happens around us. Brothers and sisters, those who live in the realm of the kingdom of God, those who want to live in the realm of kingdom power, they need the outpouring. You know, as you meet people that live in the realm of kingdom power, you'll notice that they thrive on impossibilities. Because you see, they believe that God delights to see impossibilities bend their, name, bend their knee to the name of Jesus. So they're not intimidated when they see an impossible situation. Those who live in the realm of kingdom power, 
For them, the absence of supernatural manifestation, the absence of the supernatural elements of their, the absence of the supernatural for them is intolerable. For them, it's inexcusable. Because they believe that a people of God, they are a people of power. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of power. So tonight, you know, we're going to pray for heaven to open up. And for God to pour out his spirit like water all over this place. And we want God to rain down his spirit like fire all over this place. So in a moment, we're going to pray for people all over this place. Ezekiel 39 verse 29 says, I will no longer hide my face from them, for I will pour out my spirit on the house of Israel, declares the sovereign Lord. In this passage, encountering the face of God is connected to the outpouring of his spirit. Brothers and sisters, in other words, God's face and favor is revealed every time he pours out his spirit. And I believe that he wants to pour out his spirit in this place. Because I see a people that are seeking the face of God. So I'm going to take this moment right now. I'm going to ask all the altar ministers to come forward. Get someone on the keyboard right now. I'm going to ask you, you guys, stand on the first uh, step right here in the front. We're going to take this moment and we're going to just say, come. Lord, let your kingdom come. God, let your kingdom come and show up with power in this place tonight. God, we want your kingdom to come. You know, unfortunately, sometimes when God pours out his spirit and there's a strong outpouring, not all people recognize the face of God in that outpouring. You know, a lot of people, they get, when the outpouring is unleashed, they get fixated on the effects of the rain rather than seeing the one who is king over the flood. They're so distracted by the effects and the manifestations and the signs that they're not able to see the face of God that is being revealed there. Brothers and sisters, here tonight, I want you to step out and seek God for a fresh outpouring of His Spirit. Because for us to see a billion soul harvest, for us to see the glory of God, for us to push back injustices like human trafficking, like child prostitution, if we want to see the nation of Cambodia healed, if we want to see the nation of India transformed, what the people of God need is we need His power. We need more of the outpouring of the Spirit. So hallelujah. If you want to pray in that way, I want you to stand to your feet from where you are. I want you to start praying 
God, reveal your face toward me and pour out your spirit all over this place. Pour out your spirit on my neighbor. Pour out your spirit upon me. Pour out your spirit. You are the answer. What we need is not more programs. What we need is not more uh, uh, wise strategies and man-made strategies. What we need is more of the spirit of God. What we need is the outpouring of the spirit. The outpouring is the answer. It is the answer to your family problems and issues. The outpouring is the answer to seeing nations discipled and changed. The outpouring is the answer to seeing this country reunified. To seeing North Korea healed. To seeing North Korea transformed. The outpouring is the answer. So right now, I'm going to invite all of you. Open up your mouth. Begin to pray to the Lord right there. Right now, right there. Open up your mouth. Lift up your voice. Come on.